Hello, listeners. Welcome to another show on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza. I'm your host, Grace Opa. Today, I have the incredible Pastor Mrs. Flores Lehman. Kindly welcome her. Welcome, Pastor Lee, uh, Flores. Would you like to share about who you are and what you do? Please. Thank you very much, Lady Grace, for having me today. And thank you to our viewers. Thank you to our listeners. My name is Floris Lyman. My married name is Tokum. Um, Obviously, I was once single, but now married. I am a mother of two. I'm an assistant pastor. I'm a minister in word and also in song. I'm also a deputy head of learning at a secondary school in the borough of Newham. I'm an author of two books. I'm also an event host and a chat host alongside a speaker, a supporter of charities, and I must say I'm a great networker. Thank you. Ah, you're welcome. You seem to wear different hats. And how do you manage all this? <laughs> well, I would say by God's grace. <laughs> I would really say by God's grace. I believe we are all gifted and talented with various skills. So I'm just trying by God's grace um, to work <laughs> in mine. Yeah. That's why I called you incredible. That's good. Thank you. So you wrote a book on being a single parent. What are the challenges faced by them? We're going straight into the questions. Yes. Yeah, so I will say number one challenge. So it depends what your situation is as a single parent, how you've ended up as a single parent. It's either you've lost a loved one or it was via separation or divorce. You separated because of domestic, whatever it was. Firstly, the effect of that breakup will be work overload. You're going to be facing childcare issues. You are going to be lonely. <laughs> On most occasions, you will feel loneliness. You are going to feel very, very vulnerable. You will feel stress. And if you're not careful, if you don't manage it well, you start going into bouts of depression. You are also lacking of self-care. <laughs> and the big one, stigmatization. Yes. Stigmatization. We've actually highlighted all the things, women mostly, but some men are also single parents. Oh, yeah. Uh, through when they are alone, raising their children. Some people say, oh, if it's one, it's a walkover. Regardless of the number, I believe it's not <laughs> the as are the same. <laughs> it's not as easy. I'm talking from experience as well. So I single-handedly raised four of my children. Wow. So I know what it is. Okay. So you talked about different challenges, being vulnerable, being stigmatized. We're going to come back to that anyway. So how can single parents protect their vulnerability from abuse when living as single parents? Wow. So the first thing I will say to that is to guard, like we said earlier, it costs right across whether you're a single man or a single woman. But not because I'm a woman. On this instance, I believe a lot of women fall prey in this area. So the first thing I will say is to guard our emotions because loneliness is real. So we need to guard our emotions. Secondly, I will say mind the people we interact with as a single person and you have children. 
also people that you communicate your frailties with, your weaknesses with, because somebody will give you a leaning shoulder as if I want to help you, just open up, tell me everything, not knowing that they really want a space to get into you. And by the time you think it's happening in a neg negative way, such people who come around you so quickly and pretending to help, they start forcing their way too quick, pestering you with phone calls, etc. We have to mind that. For example, I was reading an article where apparently social workers were raising concerns, genuine concerns about the breed of predatory male who preys on vulnerability and lone parent. They entice them with the promise of material stability for their children or their child, but become highly abusive, leaving damaged children in their wake before moving on to the next victim. Now, with no disregard to men, because I know some men find themselves in this situation as well. But remember what I said before, the statistic is more with women falling prey when they are vulnerable. Hmm. Over to you. That's quite deep. I do agree with what you've just said now, because like you said, loneliness, and that is also to do with your mental health. So it's advisable to make sure that your mental well-being is taken care of most times. And in terms of men preying on women who are vulnerable, and this is susceptible to abuse, I believe there should be clear boundaries. Mm -hmm. And when there is no boundary, that is when men are able to prey on um, vulnerable or lonely women who are single parents. And like you said, there are circumstances, it might be divorce, it might be separation, it might be death, it might be domestic violence and things like that. So viewers and listeners, it's much more advisable that you put in healthy boundaries, even if you are having people coming around you and the children, because like you actually said, the children are very vulnerable and they are much younger. So emotionally, they might not be stable yeah. compared to the single mom or the single dad. Yeah. That leads me to my next question. Being vulnerable can expose you to lots of physical and emotional dangers. What are the dangers? That's the first part of the question. I'll let you answer that before I proceed to the next one. Thank you so much. You, you know, <laughs> when you were talking, I wanted to share on that protecting our vulnerability. I remember when I was then a single mom, I tried as much as I could to put boundaries because then some people were calling me strangely from everywhere. And some people who were even close to my late husband, surprisingly, would start calling me, hi, darling, how are you doing? How are the children? Mm -hmm. So you, <laughs> you just touched on, I just, just didn't want to pass that before um, coming to, to, to the next question. I didn't want to interrupt you, but yeah, yeah, you will experience and I believe a lot of people can attest to that. But um, <laughs> coming to um, what you just said, the dangers that vulnerability can expose us to, number one, physical abuse. And that physical can be, Again, added to that, you can say sexual abuse, financial abuse, blackmailing, humiliation. If you don't start giving them what they want, controlling behavior. So those are some of the dangers um, that one can be exposed to. Okay. So you just said 
stigmatization, humiliation. So yeah. can you give me like an example? Have Did you experience it? Or did someone very close to you experience being humiliated because well, they were single? Well, I did not experience. I lost my little husband. He had a medical issue, terminal one, and he passed away. Well, I have seen some people close to me who have gone through such. About a few months ago, I was supporting someone very close to me. I'm sure she does not mind me. I'm not calling her name. But she was going through so much in the relationship. She had poured out so much. She has invested. There's nothing she didn't do. But the husband just decided to turn his back. Now he's turned his back, knowing that maybe he's had a second thought to say, ah, if I go now, what will happen? So he's come back into this woman's life, knowing that you have nothing to offer. Well, he's come just to secure his space, to reap the woman more. And you know what? As women, what do we do? You accept the man, oh, because he's the father of my child, because it's this, because I've invested so much, because, because, because. Then what happens? You're subjected to that emotional abuse. And part of that was verbal as well. She still succumbed to taking. And at the same time, if you're a woman in church, you're a woman somewhere else, you want to maintain prestige. So you continue to stay in there because of the books. So you're, you're saying that uh, just to say that I'm a missus or I am married, some people would rather stay in that emotionally abusive relationship. Of course, of course. I have seen it so many times. And again, this is with no disrespect to men. I'm sure even if men go and check up the statistics, it's mostly women falling prey to it. I know our make is different. Our emotions are different compared to, to, but we succumb to things a lot because we think about a thousand and one things before leaving that relationship. Obviously, we know God does not want separation. God does not want divorce. But equally so, God did not send somebody here to go and die or to go and be subjected until you look like nothing. And I believe some men, it's maybe a vicious cycle. This is what they know all their lives. And so they are actually repeating a pattern. And for some, it has to do with their low self-esteem. So it depends. Yeah. Very, very true. You know, if you have, and again, this is, <laughs> if any men are out there listening to us, men do go through that challenge. For example, if a woman has a man where she is earning more than the man, she knows a lot of things more than the man. Instead of the man supporting her, what does the man do? You are still eating and enjoying part of the woman's gains anyway. What does the man do? you put the woman down. Why maybe outside other people value what she is and who she is and what she offers. Meanwhile, you putting her down. You tell her about her looks, tell anything negative to put her down. It just shows clearly you really don't love and appreciate who you are. So you, you are not able to give it to someone else, let alone your wife that's closest to you or your partner. Hmm. You're right, because I experienced it myself. And then I was training to be a solicitor. And then my ex-husband now told me, oh, you're looking for a briefcase job. <laughs> it was a snide remark. As time went on, I knew that it wasn't going to last because I was suffering in silence and something had to give. Yep. That led to a divorce. But 
that's for another time. Anyway, that leads me to my next question. Does this affect people's mental health when they've gone through humiliation, stigmatization, also abuse, so to speak, and grief? Because if you lose someone who is very close to you, you will be grieving. You've just touched on something because I will use myself. I always like to use myself as an example. So even though I did not go through abuse in that sense, but number one, I was dealing with staying with my children, having to look after my children, having to raise my children on my own, having to make ends meet, having to go to work. Remember some of the things I mentioned, work overload. Thank God for a good network of people. But the grieving part almost led me to a serious depression if I did not seek help. I had to seek counseling. Again, this conversation is for anybody going through any situation, whether it is bereavement or abuse, whatever, you must seek professional help. So let me say now then, you've lost a partner, then they left you damaged physically or sexually or financially blackmailed. So you are grieving on all fronts. Definitely there is no way you are going to remain sound. You need to check yourself in sit down, have a reflection, let somebody else look at you. Because when we look at ourselves, sometimes we fail to accept some realities. Well, let someone else look at you. Go to your GP, go to a professional, do a list of what things has been with you for the past four or five months, even a year. Imagine having endured such for years and years before you finally say no. It's definitely left an impact, no matter how strong we can be. I do agree with you. Uh, and mostly it's not just an impact, a negative one at such, yeah. because you feel, like I said, you feel degraded. Sometimes we, you feel detached from reality because you're thinking, oh, this person will change or things will get better. But certainly, or most times, it doesn't. No. So, it, like you said, it's good for you to go to someone trusted. When I say trusted, a trusted professional, like a medical doctor, your GP, mental health professional, a counsellor or psychotherapist or psychologist. As you talk, you're unburdening yourself because you have a lot inside. Yeah. But when you're talking, you feel the sense of relief. Yeah. It's like pouring out the pain, pouring out all the things you've been storing, the anger, pouring out the shame, pouring out the guilt. And that, that's... The self-guilt. <laughs> You're healing. You're right. Talking in itself is a therapy. So that's one thing I used to do. I spoke a lot. And sometimes people could not understand. Oh, you're talking. Not that you're putting yourself out there. Just by talking, you're saving someone. You're encouraging someone. You're uplifting someone who might find themselves in a similar situation. All of those things helps. It sure does. But one thing I keep on reiterating to people is that make sure when you're opening up, you're opening up to trusted people. Yeah. Be it professionals, be it family members or friends. Because most times, the people you're pouring your heart to might turn around and use it against you. So you have to be careful who yeah. you're talking to or pouring your heart to. That's what we are talking about, the boundaries. Know the people that you are opening up to. Yeah.
That's very important because they can either continue to make you <laughs> or break you beyond what you already broken. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads me to the next question. So what entails a healthy Christian relationship? Well, okay. I was just thinking when I was <laughs> walking through this question. So for me, because I know a lot of us are Christians and it's going to depend on what people value as healthy. I would say I can summarize this in four categories. Number one, mutual respect and commitment. So in Christian relationships, you know, there has to be mutual respect and commitment. It is vital. Without respect, selfishness can overshadow consideration for the other person. Right. So likewise, lacking commitment also leads to instability and vulnerability. These qualities can form the bedrock for trust, understanding, cooperation, forgiveness and unconditional love in such relationship. Another thing really is trust. This is also major. Trust, we can say, is, is fundamental in all healthy relationships. Its absence can strain or probably damage a connection, leading to constant worry and doubt. Now, building trust requires time. It's, it's just not going to happen. It requires a lot of patience, communication, mm. <laughs> mutual understanding, a solid bond also enables partners to navigate challenges confidently, fostering a relationship that flourishes despite obstacle. Honesty and communication, that's also key. That's very, very key. Open and honest communication is vital in Christian relationships. Now, why is this? It fosters trust and creates okay. safe space for authentic expression. Effective communication also involves active listening and willingness to compromise. Neglecting communication can lead to insecurities, but when honesty and communication are prioritized, relationships flourish with depth and mutual understanding. Now, shared values. <laughs> I think this should have been first, in fact. When two people share values, principles, and perspectives around their beliefs, I say it helps create unity. It also strengthens connectedness. It helps bind two people together. Having the same religious beliefs also fosters open communication and understanding when it comes to making important decisions. I'll, I'll touch on this. It says you can trust your partner has your best interests at heart because their values are aligned with yours. Acknowledge that beliefs are important and make sure you discuss them early such discussions as the foundation of a successful and healthy relationship. There is just some things like sex before marriage. Like I said, sadly, some Christians, their standards are different. You need to know, do you need to test before we marry? If that standard matches yours, if it does not, then that's a problem. Things like giving. You see couples fighting over giving, offering and things like that. If, if the woman is giving, the man says, oh, you're giving all your money. Then clearly you need to look at the foundations of that. There is just some things that you cannot afford to, you can be flexible on some things, on some standard, but there are some you can't. So I will use myself again as an example. 
at the time I tried, say, let me do online dating. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I didn't want to. After 14 years of being a single mother, actually, my current husband was the one that said to me, why don't you try online dating? And I'm like, oh, I don't think online dating is for me, even though I've seen some of my friends have successful relationship out of that. But I believe it's not for everyone. Anyway, I tried out of obedience. I went on the dating things. All these people coming, oh, I'm a Christian. These are my values. Mm -hmm. By the time I get to speak to them personally, Lady Grace, anytime I finish, I was discouraged. And I think I must have mm -hmm. had conversations with about six men. The very first one, when I called him back, the moment he had that, this is his profile, all his Christian qualities. But the moment he had I was a pastor. That was, he said, I will call you back. Since then, <laughs> <laughs> we did never have a conversation. The other one, I said, he was doing his PhD and everything. And he's come from a broken uh, marriage. I spoke to him, we started talking fine. And then we got to counsel. I said, okay, when it's time for us to get married, I will introduce you to my leaders. So we start from here. He said, no, 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 no. I will cancel you. Nobody needs to talk between us. We'll just go and marry. For what? <laughs> no. Some things you can't because if you go and marry behind closed doors, something happens to you. Is that when you're not going to look for people or you should yeah. have one of those yeah. people before? So it means he has no regard to say, okay, let's have some quality people around us. So then I asked Somebody him, who... <laughs> I said somebody who can oversee yeah. certain aspects of your spiritual life as well as your physical life. Yeah, especially if you've gone through the situation maybe of a divorce or separation before, you want to get it right the second time. For his own side, obviously my own side was coming from, I was a widow. Then we spoke about the issue of sex. As both of us were pastors. Yeah, so I said to him, well, in terms of that, what's your take on it? He said, well... I can't tell somebody not to taste before because you need to test the person before. And he's a pastor. So know if they are functioning, Lady Grace. I'm not sure. he's a pastor. Well, that's Let's what he he's a pastor, you said. Yes. So hmm. these are some of the things you're talking about. Your shared values. Okay. <laughs> So, like I said, it, it it's going to depend on individuals. But if we are going by the books, there's just some fundamental things you have to share together. It really helps. Some people leave that for last. No, no, that's the first thing you need to be assured of before you even move on. Because you will have issues in the relationship. Over to you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad that you've been able to kind of expand on these uh, qualities and uh, you gave um, very good examples. I'm laughing because actually I was gobsmacked when you said so-called pastor that you, he needed to taste. I don't know what he was tasting anyway. Let's get <laughs> to our next, uh, next question. What sh should young men and women look for in a godly relationship? So I was thinking about this question. I was like, okay, it's slightly similar to what we've just said. So honestly, all of the above, shared faith, we cannot insist on this enough. Look for someone who shares your beliefs and values. A common faith foundation can strengthen the relationship 
and provide a shared spiritual journey. What's the point? This person is uh, 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 one God here. You two, you are doing another God here. It puts a strain. I don't know how people do it, but they should not tell me it's not strainers. Character and integrity. Seek a partner with strong moral character and integrity. Someone who demonstrates honesty, kindness, humility. and That's why you study the person first before you say yes. Because if you don't study them, see how they, they, they interact with others. See how somebody interacts with his mother, with his siblings, with other females around them, or with, just with people in general. Go and see them in their church. See what they are doing. Don't just pick them on the road. Respect and communication. Choose someone who respects you and communicates openly and honestly. Mutual respect and effective communication are essential for a healthy, thriving relationship. Again, commitment to growth. Find a partner who is committed to personal and strength. Mm -mm. Trust me, if you or your partner are not going spiritually, you are going to affect the other one. Whether we say, oh, it does not bother me as long as me, I'm going and pray. No, I've been there before. So it's, that one is a no-go area. You are not competing, but just make sure you are both functioning. Someone mm -hmm. who encourages and supports your journey toward becoming the best version of yourself, not somebody who is pulling you down. Fine, we are all open to positive criticism. We should be open as partners to criticize ourselves, to give positive feedback. So that's not what we are talking about. But somebody is always pulling you down. You, you touch your hand on this vision and say, oh no, I don't think you should do it. I don't think you are fit. There is nothing that can support you. And that person is not there for your good. They are just there for you to nourish their own good. Emotional and spiritual connection. We've spoken about this. Look for deep emotional and spiritual connection where you can share your joys, your struggles, it's the two of you sleeping together every day, lying on the same bed. You should be able to pray for each other, lifting one another up, not pulling down syndrome. The person yeah. must have a servant heart. Mm. Seek someone with a servant heart who is willing to sacrificially love and serve others. If they are not, then they love themselves too much. They have to and be following the example of Christ. You're quite right. I was going to come to that, that you have to be compatible. And in terms of what you just said some few seconds ago, being able to pray for each other is quite vital because you might be going through challenges, but if your partner is able to pray for you and really support you that, okay, I, I know that you're going through those challenges. I'm here for you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to assist you as best as I can. I, I think that's half of the load taking off you. Yeah. But if you're carrying all the burden you can't even open up and share your ups and downs it's <laughs> your terrible should be your friend your partner should be your brother that's why it's normal to have quarrel in a relationship if you are not quarreling in a relationship then your relationship is not honest uh, because it's all part of it then after and that, you're not growing too yeah. you're not growing yeah so you, you just touch on compatibility we have to be compatible again. I know we all have differences because we've, we've all come from different arenas. Maybe you, you are very social. Your partner, they are introvert. They like to be to themselves. That's not what we are talking about. There are some things we cannot change because that's someone's personality. But there are some values and goals and interests and lifestyle that you can compromise a little bit. Once in a while, for example, I'm a runner. 
But my husband likes to run. I have to follow him sometimes. Why is he running and walking? I say, I'm not running. Why we walk? <laughs> he will leave me walking around and he will run to the round. Sometimes you make some of those sacrifices for one another. So I said, while differences can complement a relationship, a strong foundation of compatibility. We're, now, we're talking about compatibility, your faith. You have to be compatible in faith as believers. Ah, that one. Otherwise, it won't work. Uh, my pastor used to say that if you're going to get married, get married to somebody who's a Christian. And if they are Muslims, let them get married to Muslims because you tend to understand each other's faith. And if the person is an atheist as well, marry an atheist because that way you'll be able to flow. You're you, you able to kind of think and do things similarly because you understand the rudiments of your religion or if you're not religious, you understand each other better. Yeah, along that side. You're right. So we've touched on uh, relationships, godly relationships, but I'm going to bring a challenge. Should pastors be made aware that we are supposed to be Christians or maybe is the Muslim they speak to their imam? Because I'm going to be talking about other faiths as well. We have diverse community here listening mm. to the podcast. If, for example, the woman is going through an abusive relationship and the husband is continuously abusing her, what should the victim do? That is the woman. Should she talk to her pastor if they're Christians or to their imam if they're Muslims? or to someone who can be a mediator? I would say yes. I know previously when we were discussing earlier about abuse and things like that, about seeking professional help. Having said that, if you are in a place of faith and you have leaders who look after people's welfare, their congregation's welfare, and things like that. And as a leader, if your member brings such a matter onto you, Again, it, it entails a lot. If the other half is someone that welcomes you and acknowledges, because, for example, some women, if the husband does not acknowledge their pastor or their leader or their imam or their religious leader, they're not going to tolerate you even to have that conversation. So I think the first focus will be if the person has come and opened up to tell you, again, me as a pastor, I'm not a counselor. I think sometimes yeah, we get it wrong as religious leaders. We try to be the counselor and everything. Unless you're a professionally trained counselor, you can pray, you can console, you can give word of advice based on experience and you've worked with it. But recommend them also to a professional counselor. They have to be recommended because why those people have been trained in that area. Sometimes I feel that we've gotten it wrong sometimes. Yeah, we pray. Some of the things, it, it needs someone who is trained in that area to deal with those people so they can pick any iota one by one. So I support the idea that they should be made aware of. But again, you have instances where many people, unless as a church one day you hear that your church member has lost their life. Some women don't come and say, why? Because the man has poisoned their heart. They've been brainwashed. That, ah, don't go and say our business so... Don't go and explain. They, they have manipulated them so much that they cannot tell anybody. So if you are listening to us today, you are in that situation, open up and tell someone. Tell your leader 
whatever religious organization you find yourself in, open up and speak. Let nobody tell you not to speak. Again, because of stigma, some people don't open up to their pastors or to their leaders. We are saying to you, you need to open up, you need to speak, and if the onus is on the leader to keep it confidential. Because the reason why most people don't speak, they say the leader goes and preach about it from the pulpit. And there was a, actually a case. The leader was actually saying that biblically, there should be no separation, there should be no divorce. So he stood on that premise that the woman should bear with a husband because I think the man lost his job. So he was thought that because he's out of work, that's why he was being abusive to the wife. <laughs> so she, she stayed in there. Yes. <laughs> so she stayed in there bearing the brunt of the abuse. Hmm. But unfortunately, it got out of hands. Because I think they had an altercation and the man pushed the woman down the stairs. And unfortunately, she became paralyzed. So sometimes as religious leaders, they don't get it right. When abuse is that violent, it's better for the couple to separate. If the man decides to get help, maybe he has anger management issues and after some couple of months or years he's learned from his mistakes because i have a friend who works with perpetrators mm. and there have been one or two occasions whereby the men changed, changed. their lives yeah. positively if that's the case then it's fine the couple can come back together and live amicably well, even at that you but win if... by little because <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> can be scary because we're talking about trust. So it's like starting all over again with the person and just make sure you're looking for any sign that things don't repeat themselves again. Yes. The way you are talking about leaders, sadly, we have some of our leaders that we look up to who are not being nice to their wives at home, vice versa. That's why sometimes some of them don't want to handle situations like this when it's brought to them. And you're leading, standing there, you're leading your church, you're leading your religious congregation, but you're being violent at home. You're not treating your other half properly. And the church sometimes will not come and speak because they are the leader. How can we speak to our leaders? Mm -hmm. Even as a leader, you should be accountable with your own weakness. Find someone, find your own mentors to try and, and help what you're going through. And also, like you said, you should seek professional help, not just the spiritual aspect, but relationally, yeah. you should seek help. Like I said earlier on, if, for example, the man is, you know, has gone through maybe counseling or anger management and he's reformed, not just in word, but in deed, then mm -hmm. that's fine. But if that's not the case, it's better for them to separate or eventually divorce because we're talking about people's lives here. Yeah. Not just the woman, the children as well, if they've got children. Yeah. The, the woman, whoever it is, whether it's the woman or the man, they need to be in a safe place. Yes. They need to be at least first in a safe place because we know separation, all of those things, it's a long process. You will have tried so many other things before you finally get to that point to say, 
this is it. But first, their life matters. And that's why we have refugees for people who have gone through any form of domestic abuse. So as a single parent, are there cultural issues relating to this? And how can you handle this? Especially when it comes to being stigmatized. I know you talked about it earlier on. But how do you handle the stigmatization? Especially when you are bringing up your children alone. Did touch on it. And said, for prestige, that's the word, that some women would say, I'd rather stay in that abusive marriage and be a missus than come out of it. Due to the stigmatization, if you're a single um, parent, how do you handle this when it comes to your culture and tradition? And does it make women or men, because it could be both ways, mm-hmm. rushing to other unwanted relationships? Yes. And how, if this is the case, can this be stopped? This is something I mentioned in my book. I know my book has been written four or five years ago now. I used to have a couple. We raised our children up together. So firstly, the wife passed away. She passed away on my birthday. I will never forget. And I think when the woman passed away, the guy now said, oh, I can't stay alone. This thing about men, most times men can't cope with staying alone, all because of pressure. And because that's what we are used to saying, oh, as a man, you need a woman to take care of you. You can't cope. You can't manage your emotions. And and sadly, the, the man did not wait. Six months, we saw him introducing his friend to us. This friend, by the time you think she was pregnant, by the time you think she's in, he had two children. The friend, by the time you think she has had two boys, lovely boys for this man. But guess what? The woman was just never there. She could not cope culturally, even though you were dating this man. What ended up happening? The man was running two homes. You marry with the hope that you're going to become a man. You're married again. You're not going through the stigma of a, a single parent dad. Because for men, they feel that loss. Women, we look at it, many other things. We say, no matter the castigation, we're going to stay. And sadly, that man lost his life. He was juggling two homes from, from East London to South East London. The children left, both parents gone. So this thing called stigma, it puts pressure. Number one, with age, you are getting old. And you should still marry. It, it puts pressure on people to now go into another relationship that you did not warrant. And again, the stigmatization is not only with families, it's with churches, it's with communities in this country. Because when I came first to this country, I didn't know about this single parenting because we grew up, I know it's different in some African settings, but where I grew up from, I come from Sierra Leone. Even if your marriage spoiled on you, they will laugh at you and everything, but your parents won't leave you. They will say, I come, come and stay. Mm-hmm. But some places you are a castaway. By force, by fire, you must find another man. Even at that, some men will not even still want you. But when I came here, I noticed that single parents were a lot. I used to ask my late husband, I said, ah, why am I seeing all these women pushing buggies and everything? They used to hear people say, oh, they are on benefit, they are slacks. And I realized when I ended up becoming a single parent, I was not a slack. I was not a benefit cheat. I discovered that to be on the benefits, we're all paying tax in this country. So at some point, someone is going to need it. Yes, some people do abuse it, but someone is going to need it to help you get yourself back on your feet, which is what I did. Just for around about six months, I started training myself 
I was developing myself personally. Me, my own, well, I was plenty. I was waiting on the home office for my papers, which never came until my husband had passed away. I'm a degree holder just because I was limited in this country. You're just looking at me from a distance. You can't be stigmatizing me. It's wrong. Exactly. Yeah. So if you don't know somebody's story, stop the stigmatization. They should actually keep their mouth shut. You know? So really, this air just cuts right across because even in churches, they'll be putting pressure on you and you're not getting married. Stop, parents, let's stop pressuring our children. You want to give me a grandchild when it's their time. Otherwise, you're going to be carrying the load when they marry the wrong person because of age. It's a, it's a lot. For us as the... women, all the emotions, oh, you know, it's been long, you've not had sex, you need a man to be helping you, all those things. It puts pressure on people. Thank you. But I really do not subscribe to the idea that because you're a single mom raising children, you have to rush into a relationship. And another thing is that being stigmatized, I went through that, but I stood my ground. First and foremost, I've got girls and I just didn't want anybody coming into my home to abuse my children. <laughs> This uncle today. I've got four children, two boys and two girls. I was not not going to allow that. So I've been alone for 16 years. It's a long time. But I'm happy because now they're doing well. They're, they are adults now. I still have, you know, my youngest is 16. But I can beat my chest that God helped me and I've done well. Well In done. the sense that, thank you. It, like you said, it was quite lonely and... Sometimes it can be very stressful. It can, yeah. It takes resilience, a strong person, and not just a strong person, the grace of God to be able to do this. So even if nobody applauds me, I, I always say I'm grateful to God for his strength. Yes, and I'm also applauding myself because it was not an easy journey at all. But what I'm saying is that it's doable. You have to set boundaries. Yeah. You must have faith that, you know, God is going to help you and the, do your best. That's all you can do. Do your best. I share with some of what you have said. For me, it was 14 good years. And I remember people would just ask me casually, oh, you want to tell us you don't even have sex? And people don't believe. Say, ah, you should be, how can you sit for that long? As if that was the only thing I was thinking of. As a human being, yeah. I miss that because I that was part of my relationship. But I'm not going now to be finding it just because I don't have it. Just anyhow, I had to wait until when I thought the time was right. I can't be bringing every man into my house. How many uncles are you introducing to the children? And yeah, the children, exactly. Uncle? Where is this uncle? It was tough going to weddings. <laughs> When they send you invitation, they don't even ask you. It's like, it's just people do it unconsciously, I believe. It's not to to disgrace you. But people go, Mr. And invitation, Mr. and Mrs. Ah, at least ask me, how do you want to be addressed on the invite? And when you go sit down, you see everybody having their missus and they, are, they will be asking you, where is your own? Because some women will be even looking at you like, ah, my husband should not be looking at you. Sometimes people <laughs> feel intimidated. <laughs> If I'm around them, just because you don't have a husband, not knowing that you used to parade like them before. And I would just look and, and I just laugh. I'm like, wow, I won't bow down to anybody's pressure, whether knowingly or unknowingly. 
And that's the way to go. Because like you said, how many uncles are you going to be introducing to the children? And they're watching what you're doing as well. Yeah. Some few months ago, my elder daughter was thanking me for being there for them. And that one thing she would always be grateful for was nobody came into the house to molest them. <laughs> if I had visitors, maybe colleagues, they came to my house to say hello, to visit me. I was very strict with my, my time. <laughs> when it gets to a certain time, you have to leave. Because the children have to go to school the next day. Even if the children were not going to school, I need my previous year as well. And yeah. there should be healthy boundaries. Because when you start allowing them to stay too long, maybe till 12, 1 a.m., before you know it, something else will be coming up. Or to sleep oh. on the couch. <laughs> they are late. <laughs> you know, I had to respect each other's boundaries. I had to lay the ground rules. So... This has been very interesting. So what would be your last words of encouragement for our viewers and our listeners? Well, especially uh, so those who are single yourself, parents. Yeah. If you find yourself in any of what we have spoken about today, number one, I want to reassure you that healing is possible. Healing from past abuse is possible. Just to let you know that it's a journey that may have ups and downs. But with time, self-care, therapy, support, you can heal and find inner peace. Again, you are not alone. Be it a single parent, father or a mother, and you are going through all of these journeys. Remember that you are not alone in your journey. There are support networks. There are counselors. There are organizations available to help you navigate the healing process and provide assistance in raising your children. Also, focus on self-care. Prioritize self-care and prioritize activities that will bring you joy, peace, and fulfillment. Taking care of yourself allows you to be the best parent you can be for your children. Again, we've spoken about these set boundaries. Yeah. Establish healthy boundaries in your relationships to protect yourself, your children from further harm. Surround yourself with supportive and trustworthy individuals who will respect and uplift you. Lastly, I will say, believe in your strength. In all of these things that has happened to you, you still have the ability to create a safe and loving environment for yourself and your children, your career, visions, your dreams. You have the power to break the cycle of abuse and create a brighter future. Thank you. That was absolutely brilliant. And I will add to this, Women should try as much as possible to develop themselves, maybe academically, career-wise. Because I think most of the reasons why some women stay in abusive relationship is because uh, they don't have a job or they are not properly trained in any career. And financially, <laughs> and once that is not in place, it actually lowers the self-esteem. They don't have any belief in themselves because they've always been dependent on the man hmm. or on the men. So please develop yourselves, vice versa. Do you have any last words? I know yeah. you said that a lot. <laughs> I think we have said it all. I will say remain focused. Do not lose hope. Now this goes both for the single parents, remember the reason why you're single, 
might be different from the reason why someone else is single. So whatever reason you're single, just to let you know that no matter how long it takes, you will get back up. I can use my own life as a testimony in so many areas. Even from the time I wrote the book, there have been developments with my own life. So just to let you know, I'm sitting here, I'm a living testimony. And also for those of you going through abuse, it's not over, but please seek help so that you can regain and rebuild yourself again with time. Thank you. So how can our listeners or viewers get in touch with you? So I am on Facebook, Practical Talk with Floris Lyman. And I'm also on YouTube, Practical Talk with Floris Lyman. I'm on Instagram. You can follow me on any of those pages. If you have a vision on anything you are doing, if you want to launch a book, whatever you do, you can contact me to host that for you. Um, Floyslimon at gmail.com. If you go on my Facebook page, you will find out all my details. You can connect with me on that. If you want to read my books, they are all on amazon.co.uk or .com. If you would like a signed copy from me, then contact me via my contact details and I will send you a, a signed copy. Listeners, you've had uh, Pastor Floris uh, Lyman. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you very much. It's a privilege. You're welcome. So that's it for today, listeners and viewers. On that note, I will be saying bye for now. Be safe and be positive. See you on our next show.